What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. is an independent beast, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Presented by no one. <laughs> Adam, how's it going, sir? That's, uh, that's strange, Graham. It's been, we were just looking back. In case anyone's been trying to go back and listen to our episodes from, like, you know, uh, say say you want to hear what the 2022 Braves offseason looked like, it doesn't exist anymore. We're going to wor- work on getting those episodes loaded again, but it's just wild that it's been that long. I mean, two years that we've been a part of this uh, Pigskin Podcast Network, and now we're independent beasts. Yeah, we're going to try to get all those old episodes back. Maybe they're already back. I don't know. Well, you know, for the legacy of the show, for the last you know couple of years, we don't want to miss out anything. We're going back, and I, I listened to one of our old episodes that was the most recent to pop up, uh, pre-Pigskin Podcast Network, and uh, it was all about praising the Marcelo Zuna signing. <laughs> How well that's aged. Yeah, no, it's, it's perfect timing, though. I think that's going to get us into some discussion today. You know, we got we got to really break this down once and for all, Graham. Marcelo Zuna, is he good or is he not? <laughs> if you're still asking that question, I got to question your sanity. We did have an amazing moment this this uh, last Friday night. Graham and I went to the, the, the Braves game, and it was Marcel's first at bat. Him and I were just kind of like bickering in real life, like we do on this podcast about Marcelo Zuna. And you know, I took one of my common stances. Oh, you know, yeah, he's been pretty bad, but he was really good. You know, September of last year, and I could see him hitting like thirty homers. He runs into a lot of homers, Graham. You said twenty, not thirty. Well, whatever I said. Yeah. And then as soon as I say that, boom. Yeah, he hits a home run. He knocks one like four thirty into the left field bleachers. Yeah. I got I got high fives from some rednecks in front of us. Sure. So it's like that's what I've been saying, Bo. Yeah. So you know, a guy that runs into twenty two, twenty three fastballs a year out of five hundred at bats that that provides immense value. Well, it's, you know. It's trash. That's what we're going to break down today, Graham. Yeah, well. But we need to save that for our Brave segment. Okay. You're going to open with the alternative sports segment <laughs> like you always do? Have the Hawks worked themselves out of the alternative sports segment? Hawks get their own segment this Oh, week. wow. I made it official on Twitter. Yeah, you did. The official Atlanta's own uh, Twitter page that you finally granted me access to. So I can send four tweets a you week. You just forgot the password, and I forgot to send it to you again. So that's the funny part. But... For like a year and a half. Yeah, you know. I don't have time for little people's little problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, alternative sports. Let's see if I got anything on the top of my head. Uh, Masters happened this past week, Graham. Sure. Um, the most alternative of sports, golf. <laughs> alternative for us. Yeah. The uh, the big Spaniard, John Rahm, got the win. What a choke job by, uh, what's his name? Brooks Kapka. Brooks Kapka, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, he's a live golf guy, Graham. I bet you were excited to see him lose. I think it is cool that it's like it's created a natural rivalry now. Like normally I wouldn't have cared as much, but now like there are some live golf people and there are are people that's going to cheer for PGA. I'm a PGA guy myself. You know what this will build to Adam eventually. I don't know if they already do this. Tell me if I'm, you know, speaking out of turn here. A live golf versus PGA Tour uh confrontation. You're right. Championship yeah. like or some Ryder Cup style. Right. They have to do that. Yeah. Like uh work together on this one. But uh, it was good Masters overall. Uh, Kepka did blow it. He, he, he likes likes to play fast, Graham. And the players in front of him were just brutally slow. Not to mention they had to play like 27 holes mm. on Sunday. So it was oh, a yeah, battle. Was that Georgia weather. Did you see those trees falling? Yeah. yeah. 
that, that is a I'm damn surprised mir- you didn't kill anybody. It's a miracle no one didn't died. even injure anybody. Like there's like there were people that like were between two of these massive pine trees falling. I don't know what they're doing down there in Augusta. Like it's just strange that three trees are falling at the same time. Like I don't know if they had been like moved. You know, hard to explain acts of God. Right. It wasn't even like that windy at the time. No. Maybe the trees were dead or were dying. You, you think they they would have tree guys at Augusta? Right. Yeah, landscape. Get some eyeballs on it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it was uh, it was strange. It was yeah, it wasn't like there was um, it was during a, a moment there was like torrential downpour or thunderstorms or yeah. whatever. It's just out of nowhere. Well, yeah, that's uh, I, I I mean I can't even pretend that I'm watching the XFL anymore. So that's hilarious. So you're not you're a battle you're a battle hawks fair weather loser. Not even a fair weather guy. You're just like a you're like a bandwagoner. I'll I'll tune in for the playoffs. I'll tune in for the playoffs if there's nothing else on. I'm I'm glad you're starting to realize it's not real football. It's not not real football. Uh, it's compared to it's minor NFL. league football. It's minor league football. Yeah, all right. Which is better it's than not, you know, better than no football. I would rather watch no football than watch that shit. I tried to watch two minutes of it and it bored me to tears. Well, you know, there's there's bigger football fans than you out there, Graham. There are. There are. Some people just eat up anything they can get. Right. I liked watching Arena League. That shit was entertaining. Ooh. The small the small field was silly. The Gwinnett, uh, the Gladiators or something. That's, or that's, 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 that's the, the hockey team. current existing hockey yeah, team. Yeah, I watched them once in person. But um, whatever the Gwinnett team was, I think Arthur Blank owned them too. Well, there was, there was one in downtown Atlanta, Phillips Arena. I, I forgot about that. But I remember the other one. Um, but yeah, it was like 50-yard field. Uh, the ball was smaller. It had this, this arcade kind of feeling, you know, where it differentiated itself enough from the NFL to be like, this is different, this is silly, this is fun. XFL, even though it has a couple of different rules and shit, for the most part, it's the same game but played at a lesser level, therefore it's less interesting. But, like, have you ever gone to, like, a minor league baseball game? Yeah. And have you enjoyed it? Yeah, it's fine. But it's still a, less, it's just, it's still a lesser thing. And you also go into a minor league game thinking about, you know, are these, you know, who are the guys I'm watching that might be good enough to go into the majors? Like, that's the big draw for me whenever I've gone to a minor league game. With the XFL, you don't really get that. At least for me. There's not a lot of guys where I'm like, mm, yeah, I've heard of that prospect. And Young Way Koo, man. He came from the AFL. AAF. AAF, whatever it was But called. it's the same same concept. Sure. You never know where these NFL players are going to come from. No. But, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the same thing in minor league baseball. The vast majority will not make it, but... There's always something. I don't know. And I just also like watching. If I'm going to watch a sport, I know nothing about anybody for the most part. I prefer to watch baseball, I think. It's just easier to get into for me than watching. Like the whole time I'm watching like a like XFL, it's just like, this is just really slow and boring to me. I have a hard time sitting down and watching a baseball game that's not the Braves. Like, oh, man. I, I can't I'd remember be- the last time I just watched a Sunday night baseball game. So we, we have the MLB TV. Um, for the Orioles and for my mom who lives away from the Braves. So she uses it for the Braves. And yesterday when it was all these day games and I was working, I just had, I was just flipping between like six different games that were on. It was, it was, it was like March madness for baseball, except the less intensity. It was so much fun. I, 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 I like watching as many. So it's more games of a, as I can, but it's like a background thing. It was a background thing, yeah. but there, there've been times since the season started where it's been late. I'll watch Dodgers giants or some other West coast team. I'm not used to watching what you're seeing out there. Who's impressing you. Um, the Dodgers are actually impressing me a little more than I thought they would. They seem to be playing solid team baseball. There's this, uh, I saw Freddie 
score from first on a triple, and it was really annoying. Um, yeah, Dodgers are playing pretty well. Cardinals look a lot better than they did against us. I listened to your boy Chip yesterday call uh, call an inning. It was really weird. I thought the Cardinals just got swept by someone else. No, they're playing Colorado. Okay. They, uh, I think they took two or three. They won the game I was watching yesterday. Um, trying to think of other people. Those are the main ones I was looking at. I also watched I watched uh, Marlins Phillies a lot yesterday. Went to ten innings. Phillies are struggling. They are struggling. They are not like their offense is just punchless. Yeah, offense is really punchless. They can't they can't do anything. The Marlins pitching staff look like you know is made up of Sandy Koufax and uh, other uh, Don Sutton and shit. Man, it like you know. Just blowing them away for the most part. They only mustered two runs in ten innings and lost. And I think they lost in ten or eleven to the Miami. And like I said, like I said before the season started, Phillies will be done by July. I saw that your boy, uh, old Bracey boy Bryce Harper's trying to pull a Freddie Freeman, uh, circa 2017, I think. I wouldn't play with the the injury. He's coming back. He's he's learning first base with Hoskins being right. Out. If he, I mean, if he comes back and he can, so he doesn't have to throw. Right. If he comes back, I mean, that'll have a big impact. I mean, Trey Turner looked good in the game yesterday. He had a couple of hits, but I still don't think you know. I don't think Philly's pitching's good enough. Their offense certainly isn't good enough right now without uh, Hoskins and Harper. It's weird this year. Like we don't play these because this is the year where we're like we we play like every team mm-hmm. in the majors. So like I mean we're done with the like I think the Nationals until freaking September, which is wild. Yeah, I kind of I kind of like it though because it's a little more like NBA in the sense. And one of the things I always liked about NBA is that every team plays each other, even if it's not, even if it's only twice. You still get you still get to see like you know LeBron twice a year, Carl uh, Anthony Towns twice a year, whatever. Uh, Steph Curry, you know, with this it's like you know you always get to see Otani play. You get to see uh, Braves play Judge. You know, you get to see. No, it's, stars it's cool. Really yeah, no, I mean... It, I, I'm fine with not playing the Nationals 18 times. Also makes the league a little bit more... Uh, establishes more parity between the teams, I think. I don't know who baseball hired. Like, I don't think this is all Rob Manfred. But, like, they are making just, like, some great PR moves, like, for the game in general. Yeah, and they've done a really good job, I think, of trying these new things out, you know, at the minor league level, testing it out, feeling it out, and then applying it to the major leagues when it's ready. But it's like, yeah, we're going to play... We're going to Kauffman Stadium. How often do the Braves play at Kauffman Stadium? The Royals. Rare. Rare. It's just like, I mean, I'll tune in. I'll, I'll just look at that stadium. Yeah. And I don't know where the scheduling thing came from. I mean, you can't really test that in the minor leagues. But, I mean, I think it was whoever came up with that, great idea. It's just more parity. It's like we, we don't need to pay the, play the Phillies no. eight times a year. No, we, play, we usually – when normally we play them 19 times a year. It's like between – Well, I was thinking eight series. Oh, eight series, yeah. Exaggerating, I right. suppose. But, yeah, it's like 17 to 19 times you usually yeah. play your division – opponents and it kind of makes it parody i guess yeah well yeah yeah you get to play everybody but i think it's also one of those things where um i think they i think it was more from a, a marketing standpoint they did it and less for the parody because like i was talking about like everybody gets to see otani everyone sees judge everyone sees um matt olson everyone wants to see matt olson for christ's sake the most dynamic player in baseball so it's like I think it's I think it's 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 great for the game from a from a PR standpoint. It's great from the game from just a, a pure play standpoint. So, baseball is coming back in the sense that I think it's going to be a little more relevant than it usually is to the masses. Yeah, on the up and up, had a big start with the World Baseball Classic, and you know games are averaging thirty one minutes shorter so far. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no no complaints about the. I still think getting rid of the shift is stupid. I was really pissed off the other night when uh, 
on the Sunday night baseball game where the Braves got clobbered by the Padres where one of the announcers like, athleticism's back in the game. It's like, athleticism never left the game, you loser. Just because you're getting the shift, just because you got rid of the shift means like you're not making athletic plays before that. Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just one of the. It's talk- such a blanket statement. It's one of the talking points. Yeah, but it's a generalist. Statement. I've hit that talking point. Before. There's still there was still tons of athleticism in the game before, uh, you know, the shift was eradicated. But I, th- I think it's more so in the fact that like you can't have like. No, I understand the point. I just think it's I think it's poorly presented. But it's like, but, but it's it's a, it's a generalist thing. I know I'm interrupting you. I'm sorry. Yes. But, like, but you can't you have Robbie Cano lumbering in second base and covering as much room. Like now, like it is an advantage to have an Ozzy Albies there versus like yeah some guy like that. No, I get it. But also, can't you understand where I'm coming from? The sense that there's tons of athletic guys making athletic plays yeah. every day last year. Sure. So it's like I, I just hate that because it's such like a a absolute when there is that, that's not that's not an absolute point. No, it's it's I, it's I hated, a talking point. I hated the way it was worded. Um, ESPN takes mandates from MLB. You got to hit these points. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, any other alternative sports things you want to discuss? I guess we're kind of talking about baseball at this point. Yeah, but not strictly the Braves. So that's right. alternative alternative in our world. Yes. And you you know with MLB making all these changes, they're trying to improve. With us being independent again. Should you know, we try to improve? It's a big day. It's a big day. Graham and I actually prepped a little bit before this show. We've got a revolutionary segment for you all. Something you've never heard of before. No one in the history of you know, TV, radio, podcasts has ever done this. Newspaper. Newspaper, magazines, Sports Illustrated, you name it. Also a magazine. <laughs> it has not been done. It's called... Atlanta Braves, three up, three down. In this revolutionary segment that Graham and I have invented here today. Took a lot of brain power. <laughs> we, you know, we took stock in last week's show where we kind of just like, well, this happened, this happened, this happened. I'm excited. excited about this. Well, I'm pissed about this. Now I'm pissed off. That was last week's show, basically. So now Graham's going to say three things that he's excited about. Or, or things are positives. Yeah, so here's some positives. Here's, here's my first positive. Rick Kranitz is one of the ups for me. Puts the fear of God into Strider last night to get him through that start. Strider uh, talked about in the post game that he had been conserving his velocity so that he can go deeper in games, but that made him ineffective, uh, which is sort of ironic. And then, you know, he was having trouble against the Reds, and then Kranitz comes out there and is like, dude, like, this isn't spring training anymore. You need to stop thinking and start pitching. You know, words to that effect, I'm sure it was a little more forceful. Than apparently, that. it was very profanity laced, very much laced with profanity. Yeah, which is great. Which sometimes, and it's tough too because it, you know, sometimes it's hard to know when you got to really lay into somebody. And that was the time to do it. And I think, and the reason why this is an up for me is I think this sets the tone for Strider for the rest of the year because this is the first time Strider's come in with expectations. This is the first time he's come in, you know, where people expect him to be the guy, expect him to be the ace, especially with, especially with Freed on the shelf right now. So there's got to be the pressure of that and thinking, and you know, he's starting to think about his career probably and all this. He's got that big extension. He's got to live up to it. So he's probably playing, you know, head games and shit. And so it was good for Kranz to come in there and just be like, be you, do your thing, stop thinking about it. And I think this will set up more success for Strider throughout the rest of the season because he, he struggled a little bit in the second start too. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this translates to uh, start four this season 
and because uh, we need them, we need them more than ever with all these injuries that are piling up. And Kyle Wright's inefficiency and in his his return. Not to say that he's screwed for the rest of the year, but I thought Rick Kranitz, that was a big put your balls on the table moment right there that uh, Spencer Strider absolutely needed. So I think yeah. that was that was a huge moment to start <clears throat> off the season. Snit described it as one of the most effective mound visits he's ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, he was sitting there. The great tortoise was had a lot of reverence for Kranitz. Uh, I, I love how, moment. like, Snit is very much the manager who lets his coaches coach. You know, he, yeah. he he's not second-guessing these guys. He's not second-guessing Ron Washington's no, sins. No, he's got a lot of trust in, in everyone, and I think that's why the team has been effective is that everyone trusts each other, and everyone and people will call each other out when they need to be called out. Yeah, That's just a sign of a good organization, good team. And Strider seems like a kid who can – take that yeah and he he was very like he was very like appreciative need, of, needed that of, of Kranitz he was like yeah, yeah he's pretty much saying I needed that so yeah that's one up for me uh Eddie Rosario is an up for me too even though he's still having kind of a middling year so far big homer last night the size of go ahead a homer he's playing decent defense out there almost hit a grand slam at the game he went to on Friday missed uh, it by just a touch otherwise we split that series with San Diego you thought it was a grand slam for about five seconds yeah I was screaming no one else was, I was like, what the hell is going on <laughs> Yeah, we were sitting in the upper deck. What are you, Padres right fans now? Yeah, we were sitting in the upper deck and right field, so it's kind of hard to tell um, from that angle because it was a, it was going towards, you know, it was it was going towards right field. So uh, I think he's looking up, even though I know it's been sort of a struggle to start the season for him. But I I'm feeling good about what I'm seeing. He's making a lot of good contact on the, on the baseball right now. You know, he's our second-rated defensive player right now as well. Yeah, he's looked good out there. He hasn't done anything to make me be like, oh. Yeah. Rosario can't play left field. Yeah, if he can get – I mean, it has been – you're right. The last, like, three or four games, he's taken some big strides. So, to see him hit, get that big home run last night of the eighth inning was huge. Yeah, for sure. Um, last guy – last up for me is Sam Hilliard. Your boy, Adam, sitting 333, uh, 417 on base percentage, 476. Slugging with an 893 OPS. Uh, I think he's kicking ass, and I would not be – uh, averse to him starting more, even when Mike comes back, Mike Harris comes back off the IL because uh, he's playing really well. And I think got to ride the hot hand right now. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy you potentially plug into DH for a little while once we yeah have with Darno out. Yeah, but it just shows like, I mean, we had Hilliard, Eli White. I know he hasn't done anything yet, but Pilar. It's like putting quality veterans in there instead of like, like we had Heredia. That was it, you know, as like our fourth outfielder. Yeah, and Heredia was more of an emotional leader. Right. Which so has value, but on the on the field he wasn't didn't really do well, it. Well that's why you take shots at some of these more veteran players who maybe just need to change the scenery. Yeah. I mean it, yeah, it, Hillary's it, been he's been uh, impressive. It's been a it's been a good mix of, of guy you're you're exactly right, a good mix of, of the veteran presence in the outfield. And the guys are, are performing. I mean, Pilar's been really good so far. Almost made that unbelievable oh catch my God. the other night. Saved um, a home run. Saved a home run. Saved the game. I would say. I say he, he like he is always he's that guy who puts his body on the line. Yeah, and that that was that was ballsy. And you know that uh, Anthopolis is a soft spot for him when he played because he played in Toronto when Anthopolis was there on those yeah. playoff teams. Um, so he he's a solid guy. I don't know how many of these guys are going to be on the roster by or in the majors at least by the time you know we get to July, August, whatever. But right now they're very important um, for what's going on right now because we have such a kind of enigmatic left field position and center field is screwed right now because Mike Harris is out. So it's like having the, having the amount of quality guys that we have that can fill in in a pinch has, has been incredibly valuable for the Braves. So those are my three ups, Kranitz, Rosario, and Sam Hilliard. 
Very nice, Graham. Believe it or not, uh, we didn't overlap at all. Cool. Yeah, I figured Kranitz was a really out. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't expe- that that was outside of the. I I went in the box. Okay. For number one, uh, Ronald Acuna. Yeah. Playing like an MVP again. Yeah, he was I mean, great. This is very promising. That like you know he just wasn't the same player last year. We discussed a little bit. We don't know if he's ever going to be that same player. He was always a little hesitant defensively. He wasn't running the bases like he used to. The power wasn't there. And I mean, he's looking like that forty forty guy again this year, mm-hmm. which is just completely changes this team um and has allowed us to like keep having success despite all these injuries yeah and it's one of those things too as a fan i'm not watching him anymore being like oh be careful ronnie like you felt his his, his anxiousness last year there's a couple of times in the outfield where balls are coming at him and he kind of like yeah you could just tell he was moving just a little he was just very gingerly moving now it's he is unleashed there's no problem he's got full confidence and the knee is healthy so yeah He's been outstanding. It's like every night he gets at least like two or three hits, scores two or three runs. Um, outstanding. He's yeah. been outstanding so far. Uh, number two for me is bullpen depth from unexpected places. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the guy I've been squawking about, Nick Anderson, he came in and closed the game the other night. Yeah. Um, Michael Tonkin. Tonkin's been really good. Tonkin toys. I don't, I don't, I don't know if everyone knows his story. He like pitches every day now. Yeah, I mean, he came in, pitched three scoreless, uh, backing up. I think that was the Kyle Wright start the other night, and that was big because without him, you you lose that game. If, if you haven't heard this guy's story, he's kind of like, um, he's kind of like the Matzik story, similar where like this guy, you know, he hasn't been in the majors since like 2017, just bounced around independent leagues, Dominican, Korea. Almost gave up on baseball multiple times. Last time he got a win in baseball, he didn't have any kids. Now he has two kids, that whole thing. And, um, you know, he's like 6'5", throws like 96, 97. Um, made a, did a bunch of work back in like 2019 to like kind of get his form right, get the velocity back to where it was when he was uh, playing with the Twins early in his career. And then COVID happened, had a kind of like a reset you know, minor leagues cut like half the league out. So there's less spots out there and he just kept battling. And, you know, he, uh, he's been embraced by this bullpen and this team. And, you know, he probably would not have made the roster along with Nick Anderson were it not for injuries, but here he is. And you're not giving up on him now. Yeah. And it also just speaks to once again, the mastery of Anthopolis and his scouting team to find these guys like this, to find a Tyler Matzik, you know, who, pretty much won you the NLCS. I mean, everybody contributed, but pitched the greatest single inning in Braves history, was a beast throughout, you know, the entire entirety of that season, um, gave his arm for the organization. And then you got, you know, guys like Tonkin, you know, and uh, it just keeps happening. And this doesn't happen by accident, I don't think, either. It's like they're finding guys that have flamed out, that have made a comeback, that have proven enough to take a chance on they're low cost guys and they're stepping up and it's just, it just takes a special breed of scout and, and just front office to, to find that talent. So, I mean, God, it's, it's, it's just really one of those things that you take for granted as a fan, but how, how critical that is to be able to have a scouting team in a front office. That's, that's this freaking good at finding good bullpen pieces. Yeah, man. And then not that, I mean, we shouldn't call them unexpected anymore. But freaking Jesse Chavez has been huge again. Zero, zero, zero ERA. It looks unbelievable. Like, the other night, I mean, we who all we got out at this point, it was like Iglesias is out. 
McHugh. McHugh is out now. You know, the, AJ Minter was unavailable the other night, and it's like, shit, throw Chavez out there. He could close this game for us. It, it ended up being Anderson, but like he looks unbelievable once again. Yeah, no problem. Once again, Jesse Chavez at 40 years old just goes out there and just attacks the zone. Doesn't have overwhelming stuff, but he just knows how to get the job done, man. It's um, – yeah, like that I, cutter, man. Yeah, you can cutters, locate a cutter. Yeah, I mean, Mariano Rivera made a career on it for 20 years of just throwing one pitch. He's a special, special breed for sure. But I mean, Chavez is kind of doing a similar thing right now. Yeah. So that that's number two for me, and the number three is just the, the fact that we're still winning despite all the injuries currently. You know, we had obviously the terrible three game stretch. So a collective team up. Yes. 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 I mean, the the fact that. We do have this depth, all these huge pieces that are currently out. Darno, Michael Harris, now Arcia, who's been great. Yeah. He's going to be out for probably three, four weeks at least. Fractured hand, micro-fracture of the hand. Um, so we're going to get to see Vaughn Grissom in Kansas City, likely. Uh, Iglesias, McHugh, like... Freed. Freed. Uh, Darno. Yeah, I mean, the Blue list goes on. Yeah. Like, the fact that... You know, Bryce Elder has been our number one pitcher so far. Is wild. Yes. And we're still, what, 9-4? and four? Yeah. Still atop a, a the East. And so far, I mean, you know, we were we sucked till whatever it was, June or July of last year. But that sucked, but we were very mediocre, record-wise at least. Um, and the NL East is kind of looking like that right now outside of the Braves. The, the, the Mets have been a little up and down. The Phillies have been way down. So... Uh, it's it's impressive that the Braves have been able to post this win-loss total considering all the injuries they've had. I don't know any other team that's been as ravaged by injuries as the Braves so far. I mean, granted, a lot of these injuries are not, you know, we'll knock on wood here for some people. Like, a lot of them are expected to be short-term. Mm-hmm. We, we're not the Phillies losing Hoskins. We're not the Mets losing Diaz. Diaz yeah. Like, all in all should be okay the depth has sustained us you know so i think that's a positive yes i would agree so acuna bullpen depth team kudos to continue winning all right adam here's my three downs for this week and i'm going to start at a very obvious obvious spot uh everyone's favorite player marcelo zuna I know you want to like break down all this stuff with him and i don't know if that was the time but i'm just going to talk about how much uh he just is upsetting. Hitting 083, 190 on base percentage, a 250 slugging, 445 OPS, all like subpar, disgusting numbers. Two homers, five walks. He looks lost to the plate. He can't hit anything other than a fastball. He grounds out weekly. The only time he does anything is when, you know, he run, like we talked about, runs into a fastball, and that's it. Uh, his defense is still pretty worthless. He's posted a negative .5 war so far on the season. And has finished the last uh, two seasons with negative war as well. When do the Braves just say enough's enough and cut this guy? I got an answer for you. End of the month. So thinking about maybe they'll see something. I think the problem, I mean, he's literally the worst hitter in the league right now. He's horrible. I went to ESPN today and I was like, let me see. It's early in the season. I'm sure there's a lot of other people hitting 083. Right, but for guys that have at least 
30 at bats. There's oh yeah, no, no. I'm I'm telling you, like I did like the batting average right, like search up or down. By, yeah, and right. he is the bottom of like 144 yeah. hitters that have he's, enough at bats. He's arguably the worst like everyday player in baseball. Like he had like there was one game this week where he almost hit a home run, made a lot of good contact, but then like the next like four games they'll just like flail away. It's it's bad. Yeah, I mean it's at this point, like with all the injuries, you don't have a ton of options right now. Like, but I think anyone would rather see, you know, just throw Pilar out there. Hell, throw Adrianza out there at DH. Who yeah. cares? Like, it's just like he's. I'd rather have hurting us every he, time. Yeah, like he doesn't give you a chance to win. He's averaging like three strikeouts. Um. So he has. So here's what I was trying to do, Adam. Some math that was <laughs> giving me some trouble earlier. I'm also on the liquor tonight, so that's probably not helping either. He has 13 strikeouts and 36 at-bats. So 13 goes into 36. I don't know how many times, but 13 times 2 is 26. Times 3 is 39. So he's almost averaging like 2.5 strikeouts per game. Game. Yeah, I, or get, I guess. Or like he, he strikes out 2.5 times at least every you – know, his, his, his strikeout average in terms of at-bats is like 2.5. Yeah. Like every 2.5 times he's going to strike out. So that, that doesn't help either. Um, that was some clumsy-ass shit right there, but that's just what we're going to roll with tonight. There's no getting around it. Objectively, he's he's horrible, and yeah, maybe given the end of the month, people have started off April very slow and come back, but it's just like the track record is there to tell you that it's not going to happen. And Snit has at least said, like, this isn't about – Marcel, this isn't spring training anymore. Like he looked good down there, but that doesn't matter. He's at bats account, but yeah. like you know, that's like as much as you're going to get him saying publicly bad about a player, right? And and you respect that for him not throwing people under the bus, but he's also being real. He's also being real. Yeah, that the guy has not been relevant since the 2020 season, and it's just it's very frustrating. We were talking about that before we went on air. Like, you know, we gave Ozuna that 50 million dollar um, contract after the 2020 season. We both praised it. We both thought it was a good idea based off the 2020 season. But if you don't do, you know, had we not done that, your mind starts to wonder, could we have re-signed Freddie Freeman if we didn't give Marcelo Zuna $50 million? Obviously, Freddie's contract would have been bigger than that, but. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's also like that's worked out for us. Yeah, I mean, Ols- Olsen is, is very, a very, he's a great player. Having a great start to the season again. Um, you know, it's okay. But it's just it's just frustrating. This is what we get for that. So this will go down as one of of, of one of uh, Anthopolis's blunders. But I also think everybody was expecting Ozuna to just continue to be a good player for us. I don't. I'm not going to throw Anthopolis under the bus. Yeah, I mean you're not going to win everyone. He's won a hell of a lot more than he's yeah, lost, and he hasn't been perfect. He's you know the Cole Hamels thing was also. I mean I never liked that. But I mean, Ozuna, I think everybody was unified. The fan base was unified. And like, yeah, that was the right move. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work out. On paper, it was the right move. So I'm not going to crucify Anthopolis for this one, but I think you've got to cut your losses at this point, even if you got to eat, you know, whatever, whatever's left, $25 million or whatever the hell it is. Yep. Um, all right, so that's my down, obvious down. Team health is down, Adam. We just talked about it sure. in, during your section about, you know, you're saying up with people performing with uh, all these injuries, but like, you know, Darno, Harris, Arcia, McHugh, Freed, probably other people I'm not thinking about. Um, but we have so many injuries. I've never seen this many injuries 
And it's not just the guys that were injured before the season, like Iglesias. I mean, I've never oh. seen this many injuries in the first like week and a half of a season before. I mean, let's also mention, you know, he's not on the immediate team, but Ian Anderson. Yeah, it's good. Tommy John. He's getting Tommy John surgery now. Went under the knife today. So that okay, let me ask you about that real quick. Do you think that has anything to do having to do the Tommy John surgery, the UCL tear? Do you think that before he was diagnosed as a UCL tear and all that shit was out there, do you think that that injury was was building and that was the reason he was struggling? Was that that UCL was kind of given out? Yeah, uh, Dave O'Brien and Erica Flaherty were discussing this and like. O'Flaherty was saying how this is like the best thing that could have happened to Ian Anderson because now he's got an excuse. Mm-hmm. And like, I think O'Flaherty was saying he had a tear like that for like a couple of years before he realized it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Right. So like, um, I would, I do think it probably plays in. I don't think you go from as solid as he looked to just like complete trash yeah. without something going on. Yeah. So now he gets like a fresh start. And Next we get to, year. we'll get to keep him for cheap too. Yeah. Um I don't know how many years are left before arbitration for him, but but it's just wild like mm-hmm. I this is a down, but I've been wanting to say Graham, you were right. When we had the discussion coming into the season and it's like who's it going to be? Is it going to be Elder? Is it going to be Anderson? Is it going to be Soroka? And then it turns into Dodd and then Schuster. And Elder's the guy. Elder's the guy pitching with a chip on his shoulder now, yeah. because like he just got swiped away for those yeah. rookies and now so Schuster quickly. And Dot are, are gone. Yeah, I don't know if those are part of your downs or anything. They're not. Um, but yeah, I mean they've both kind of like, you know, neither of them have dominating stuff when you look at it, mm-hmm. and like they both need to locate well, which is not saying that you can't pitch well in the majors without like a 94, 95-mile-an-hour fastball, but you have to locate. Yeah, I mean, that was the interesting thing about Dodd in his last start. It just seemed like, you know, he was the Sunday night starter, right, against San yeah. Diego. Uh, you know, he was attacking the zone and everything, but his velocity was down like four or five miles an hour, it felt like. so, Or maybe not that much, but it was a down. Couple. It was down to like 90. It was down to the point where the, it was it was affecting his production, I think, on the field, so. You know, it's uh, it's tough, but yeah, I I I thought before the season Elder might have been the guy, but once Schuster and Dodd did so well, I bought into the spring training hype and all this shit, and now those guys are gone. Elder's here. Um, it's gonna be wild, and I would I would also say that you know just because Elder's up now doesn't mean that Schuster and Dodd can't get their shit together and get back. You know, no, not at all. What if, what if this was like an Anthopolis move though? It's like he's like Elder needs like. We're not giving this to him. He needs to earn it. Yeah. He needs to have that chip on his shoulder. Maybe. You know? Well, but, I think I think it's also that his hand was forced in the sense that, you know, you can't ignore two guys that pitched as well as they did in the spring training like that. I mean, they, they, they were fantastic. So you can't just be like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put them on the roster. Right. But you know, when I don't they, think I don't they think were so far down the list, it's like they're generally down the list yeah. for a reason. Well, yeah, that's true. And it also brings up a point that's like we had the resources maybe to go out and get a, a, a big star like a Carlos Rodon or something like that. And it's like part of me wishes we would have. Because now like the, the rotation is is uh open season to me. It's like the corpse of Charlie Morton, Strider, Elder. I mean, I know Max Fried's coming back, but it's like, you know, Wright looked horrible 
in his start. And I know it's only one start, but it's just like, man, I don't think he's ready yet. It's going to take him a, like four or five starts to get his shit together. Yeah, he, he was saying after his start. And Graham uh, didn't mean to, but we just got into my first down. So yeah, we're, no, we're losing a little of our structure here. But, but, let's, um, but um, yeah, with go into your down, then we'll go into my last down. With Kyle Wright, though, like he was saying he's like, he was pretty much just concerned about the physical aspect of pitching. Yeah, I understand And he kind of forgot about the mental aspect. That's fair. So, like, he recognized that after his first start. He's sure. like, we'll be ready next time. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I hope he, he's going to be all right. And I, but I, I would expect him to, you know, have a, have a few starts before he, you know, we see the Kyle Wright from last year. Yeah. My last down, Adam, is Ozzy. Hasn't looked like himself at the plate. So far, you know me. I'm a big, I'm a staunch Aussie defender. I have Aussie Albies jersey. I paid way too much money. At the I'm impressed store you're, for it. you're throwing it out there, Graham. Um, I've always been very critical of Aussie's inability to take a walk. And Ron Washington has has gone on the record saying if Aussie could just walk a little more, he'd be like an, uh, an elite player. And I agree with him. Aussie's hitting 231 with a 255 on base percentage and a 346 slugging percentage, all very subpar numbers. And uh, I know he's just getting back in the swing of things. He missed a ton of time last year. Did hit a home run the other day. But I've, I've just, uh, you know, and his defense has been fine. You know, he, you know that's that's the plus he always will bring is his defense is really good at second base. But I just really wish Ozzy could just be a little more patient because he has such – he's such an interesting player to me because he's hit 30 home runs before in a season. And uh, I think in the 2019 year – or maybe in 2021. I can't remember. But anyway, he has he has power. He has speed. He is a great defender. But he just – his impatience is always his downfall. And when he is – and then he will go through stretches, week-long, two-week-long stretches, where he just doesn't look like he's ever swung a baseball bat before, where he just makes weak contact or strikes out a lot. And then he'll go on runs where he just looks like unstoppable and he's run the bases. I remember that 20 uh, – it was 2018 or 2019 season – where it was just like, man, Ozzy was just going from first to third all the time. And that's when he captured my heart. It was in a Wrigley Field series against the Cubs. And I was like, I'm getting that kid's jersey. That's my that's my new boy. And uh, I still love Ozzy. I think Ozzy will will be a contributor. You know, as long as he's with the Braves, I think he'll be a very solid contributor. But I'm, I'm frustrated that he hasn't taken – and I feel like Ozzy's a very smart guy. He just, he just can't improve his plate discipline. And until he does that, he will always be held back. He will never be – he could be a six war player if he could develop some plate discipline. I think the highest he's gotten is four point three or four point five or something. But he could be a six plus war player if he could just take just take some walks, man. So frustrating. He swings at so many pitches out of the zone. I'm I'm, I'm and even though we're only like eleven games in the season, I'm like damn it, Ozzy. You know? he, he had a ton of at bats in that San Diego series where he could have done some damage and just wasn't getting it done. But he did like you know he, he's also like. Like Rosario, the last few games, Ozzy's starting to like get a few more knocks. Yes, so he's he's coming around a little bit, but yeah. um, we were kind of like spot on on our downs. Like, I had Ozzy. I at first had Ozuna on my list. Mm-hmm. I crossed it out when you said him, and then I I put Ozzy, but we just hit that as well. <laughs> um, you know, the starting depth. You being right about that. That was a down for me as well. And uh, the only one that you didn't cover is um, one of our bigger. Free agent. Well, I guess it was a trade for the bullpen, but uh, Joe Jimenez. Yeah, he's been very unimpressive so yeah. far. You know, like the stat. Like he hasn't technically. Like he didn't technically give up runs until this last game. Mm-hmm. But like he, he's just been getting shelled. Um, yeah, the fastballs aren't there. He wasn't good in spring training either. Um, I don't think he's coming off injury or anything. No, 
Well, it's an interesting thing about Jimenez, right? And I don't know if we talked about this on the show before. Um, but he wasn't really any good until last year. 2021 had a 5.96 ERA, 1.52 WHIP, which is horrible for a reliever. 2020 in the shortened season, in 25 games, a 7.15 ERA with a 1.37 WHIP. In those two seasons, 2021 season, point negative 0.5 WAR, 2020 negative 0.7 WAR. Um, last season was his best season, and he's only got. Who was that guy we traded for? This reminds me of Shane Green. This is a yes, Shane Green. I, I was this just, just looking up. Green. I was like, I feel like we have bad history with, with Tigers. Detroit. Yes, yeah. this is a Shane Green kind of situation where it's like guy was good for a year. Let's trade for him. Not working out right now. Um, I think we're a little too early to like you know crucify the guy or anything, but yeah, having a four five uh, four five ERA with a one seven five WHIP to start the season is not very good through five games. But let's give him some time. But I agree, he is definitely on the downside. And uh, well, I'll be interested to see what Snicker does with him if he's going to put him in less high leverage situations moving forward to maybe get his confidence back. And and he's a guy where. Like you would expect him, like it was like this guy's our second closer. You know, he would be the guy you would think would be our closer right now. Um, Over mentor, yeah. Like coming into the season, like mm. you know, you you just like oh Jimenez Iglesias, but then like you look at what some ex Braves are doing. I don't know if you like to do this very much, Graham. Will Smith's been great. Will Smith has been great. Um, I watched him on MLB TV last week. Jansen zero ERA so far on the year. I'm finally get rid of for Jansen. the Red Sox. Um, that, that won't last. Well, I mean. Gantz is still really good. He was solid, but he was gonna—he's gonna be too much money. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so hopefully he turns around. I agree. We're not saying the guy's a scrub. No. It is early. Yes. But um, yeah. I think that's the segment, Graham. Yeah, it was good. It was good. We got uh, Kansas City next series. Von Grissom will be up, as you mentioned. So we'll be watching him. Great interest because now his now this is is his time to shine. Yeah, I feel I I think Arcia has our like I feel bad for Arcia because like he's finally gotten the opportunity and like he has been awesome like offensively and defensively, but I feel like he's kind of like won the soul of like Snit like Snit loves this guy, so like even if Grissom comes up and does great, I could see Grissom slotting into DH. And be fine with that. Mean, back, you know. I mean, my big question is when does Darno come back? This is his fourth concussion. I don't mean to elongate the segment, but this is fourth concussion. He's going to take his time, I think, before he returns. Yeah. Well, thank God we got Sean Murphy. Who yeah. had his first, like that walk off home Beautiful. run he had the other yeah, night it was great. It's like that's what we that's what we brought him here for. Yeah. 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 No good stuff. We will not hear a word from our friends from DraftKings because they're no longer our friends. I, I never liked them. No. Their ads were were poorly written and uh, <laughs> not fun to do. Especially when those football season, it was like, you're shutting up for a kick and your heart is racing. Well, now we're just doing a DraftKings end. And now but, we're doing a draft- yeah, we got to get out of this. Let's habit. move on. Yeah, let's move, let's out move on. Yeah. All right. Hawks. Hawks win the play-in game, Adam. How about that? Beat They, they destroyed the Heat. We've been three and thirteen, I think, in our last sixteen games against the Heat before that game, going back to last season, and maybe even longer than that. Yeah, definitely longer than that. And uh, there's no problem for the Hawks on uh, whenever that was Tuesday night, and now they set up to play Boston in the first round of the NBA playoffs uh, as the seventh seed going up against the two. 
we have a long history of hatred for the Celtics with this franchise going back to that year that Dominique almost beat the Celtics in the late eighties and also the 2008, uh, playoffs where Zaza went nuts and got in Kevin Garnett's face and almost killed him. And, uh, well, we lost that in seven games. I think we've lost both those series in seven games. So there's, you know, the nostalgic Homer in me says, let's do it. Let's fucking beat the Celtics. But the reality is kind of setting in. Like, I don't think that's going to happen with how good the Celtics have been all year. They dominated us this year. But we did see a lot. Let's talk about this heat game, though. We did see a lot of good things from this heat game, including Clint Capella being just a monster on the boards, 21 boards or something like that. It's such a funny stat line. Yeah. Four points, 21 boards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, had a, a, at least two blocks, if and not more. And he dominated the game Yeah, no, with he four was, points. He was, he was an absolute, I've never seen a guy dominate a game with four points. He's a monster. I think I think we out-rebounded Boston like 65 to 30-something. Yeah. Um, bench was huge. Bench averaged normally 35 points per game during the season. They had 35 points by halftime. Things did get a little, you know, a little closer in the second half, but the Hawks did enough in the first half to build up enough of, uh, of a distance between them and the Heat to take it home. Trey looked pretty good despite being, I think, one of eight from three, but he was a good, really good facilitator. Almost had a damn triple-double in the first half. Um, so, you know, I go into this Celtics series just kind of being like, I'm just going to just enjoy the ride and whatever happens, happens. Because, you know, I did not expect the Hawks to beat Miami. Um, and I would definitely much rather play the Heat than the Bucks. So, you know, this is, you know, th- this is a time to see what, what Quinn Snyder's also made in the playoffs. And whatever he did to get this team ready for the Miami game was, was big because we have struggled with Miami, like I've been saying, for the last two or three seasons. So good shit all around for the Hawks on Tuesday night. Yeah, this was Quinn Snyder ball, like kind of like you could see the team buying in. And that's what's been so frustrating about this team is like we know that they can play like this. Yeah. Like Sadiq Bay popping threes from the corner like it was no problem. I mean, he was a great trade at the deadline. Sadiq Bay, like not just his three-point shooting, but he was very physical throughout the game. He was grabbing rebounds. He was getting blocks. He was throwing down dunks. Like, he has been what Cam Reddish was supposed to be. Sure. What DeAndre Hunter was supposed to be. Like, DeAndre Hunter is not going to be back next year. But I'm, I'm not I'm not focusing on that. But, like, kudos to Trey Young, first of all. Like, the Heat just dominated him last year in the playoffs. And there's all this crap. We're not going to get into the, like, trade stuff. Like, the Hawks get a big national game. And that's when the national media just wants to throw crap on the wall about Trey Young being traded this offseason. But, yeah, 25-8-7. and seven, The shooting was not there. He jacked up a few too many long ass threes that this is frustrates you. But like overall, amazing facilitator. He did get his he's got his points. Uh DeJounte wasn't great shooting till the end, but he's a guy that can close when Trey is not hitting his shots as well. Yeah, and that was a big thing to me is that you dominated the Heat, who aren't I mean, admittedly, you're playing the, the play in tournament, so neither team is very good this season. But the fact that they could beat a team that's given us trouble for you know, for as long as we can remember because our brains are so shot by the alcohol consumption, you know. Like the fact that you can do that without DeJounte playing really well is, is an encouraging sign going into that Boston series as well. And this bench, so Sadiq Bay, 17-6. and six, Bogey, 14-2. and two. Solid. Okongwu is going to be a monster next year, man. Yeah. He, he went for 12, 12 points, 5-6 to six shooting, 4 blocks in 19 minutes. Yeah, and then Jalen Johnson, who Nate was not playing—that's Quinn's boy. 
and like Quinn's boy. Quinn has been like AJ Griffin. Yeah, this guy can shoot. He can score. But Jalen Johnson's the guy, and like he, dude, like the athleticism is next level. The playmaking, like, like plug him into DeAndre's spot next year. Um, plug Sadiq in. No, plug Johnson into Collins' spot probably. Uh, Bay into Hunter's spot. I think mm-hmm. those are gonna be some changes we mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you gotta love it from the bench. It was fun to watch the, the end of the third quarter. Well, really, no, the beginning of the third, end of the second was very frustrating. I was like, oh, here we go. They're about to blow it. But then the bench comes in. They do their thing. They get the lead back. It got within five, but, you know, they closed it out. You knew the Heat were going to make a run at some point. They're at home. Spolster's a good coach. Um, you know, you, you, you knew. I mean, even when I was watching it, it was, you know, a 20-point lead at one point or 23 points. I was like, this game ain't over. You know, the Heat are going to make a run at some point, but kudos to the Hawks for being able to, you know, basketball is such a game of runs, and the Hawks were able to make their run, build up enough distance between them and the Heat, and then when the, you know, when the Avalanche came, they held strong, and then they, you know, eventually won the game decidedly, and nope, you know, it was a really solid victory. It was, it was probably Quinn Snyder's best win so far as, as Hawks head coach. Good time for it to come. Yeah. I mean, we've always said this, this team only likes to show up in the playoffs. So hey man, if you make another Eastern Conference Finals run, that's great. We'll be back on board. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, you know it'll be a really really nice uh, late spring early summer for us. They were fun to watch Tuesday. So like you know, seventeen out of seventeen ESPN experts predicted us to lose that game. Anytime that happens in Atlanta, it seems like we win. Whenever ESPN's shitting all over us, it's like oh, oh. the city as a whole. It's like. It's like Bryce Elder. That, that happened Chip with, on a shoulder. Yeah, that happened with uh, the, when the Astros and the Braves were in the World Series. It's like yeah. Every game, it was like Astros. It was like 12 people pick Astros, 4 people pick Braves. And... Do it again with the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. Let, first home game, game three, let's bring Zaza out on the center court. Yes, to let, give a pregame let, let him, speech. Yeah, let him yeah. give a speech. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Steve Coonan had that. You got to brace that. Like, Everyone remembers that. He called Zaza and said, Zaza, get, we want you here. We'll pay you. Ten thousand dollars to give a speech at the mid court, half court. Like as great as that, twenty twenty one Eastern Conference Finals run was. Like I think for our generation, that two thousand eight Hawks run was like the most exciting and most iconic. Like I, I think of nothing more exciting, yeah, than Zaza and Kevin Garnett, and Kevin Garnett, and John at half court, and everyone just going ape shit. You got to play that up, and I know they're gonna. They they got to, yeah, yeah. for sure. So the first games at what Saturday at three thirty. Saturday three thirty, we'll be we'll be grilling at the house, yeah. <laughs> the house of animals as you called it. On, yep. on Discord. Yep, yep. So, Man, I'm gonna miss. I'm probably gonna miss that game. Unfortunate, be out of town. Well, that's all right, Graham. You can catch up on the next episode of Atlanta Zone. Yep, yep. I have to have you inform inform me on everything that happens. I think that's it for the Hawks. Yep. Uh, the only really big Falcons news: uh, we traded a fifth round pick for Jeff Okuda. Cornerback uh, for the Lions. This guy was originally a third-round draft pick out of Ohio State. Incorrect. He was oh, excuse number- me, the number number three <laughs> overall draft pick out of Ohio State in the first round. Yes. Yeah, number three overall pick. Excuse me. And has uh, been slowed by injury at an Achilles tear. A lot of people also blame Matt Patricia for his development, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I checked the Lions subreddit, and people were saying. This guy could potentially also play inside linebacker. They tried him out a lot at, at that position this year because it seemed like they were kind of over, overflowing with cornerback depth. And that he's a really solid run stopper in the secondary, which is an underrated 
uh, attribute to have. So I think considering the pedigree and considering it's only a fifth-round pick, and I think we have two of those going into the draft, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea by Terry to lengthen the secondary. Yeah, I mean, it's an extremely by-low type of trade with the, for a fifth-round fifth draft pick. And it just really makes this draft coming up in 16 days interesting because, like, we had been saying, eh, maybe we're going to take that cornerback at number eight. But Not now. Yeah, so I don't know, man. What do you I, think about this Bijan guy? Have you watched the this running back? Yeah, from Texas. He looks like a beast. He's supposed to be an all-world kind of player. And I'm kind of thinking, like, we're to the point where we filled enough holes. Defensively? That maybe you could take a shot on, like, I mean, if this dude's like an Adrian Peterson, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, you already got – so you had an 1,000-yard rusher. You have you have with, one. Yeah, with uh, Algier. So yes, it's like you don't but really – also, running backs get injured. Sure. Corderell – is going to get old. And, you know, he gets banged up every year. And if you compare Bijan with Algier, it's because quarterback is like, quarterback now is like our number, almost our number one. Like, it's like this team is just rounding out so nicely. And, like, we're putting all of our faith in Ritter, assuming they don't draft a quarterback. Um, so, that would really. <laughs> so, but if you, if you take a potential just like superstar running back that's going to be a stud for mm -hmm. four years. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm surprised that you're like not – like you brought this up. I was going to bring it up, but no, like I mean, very cautiously. I, I, I hate it, but at the same time, like because of Algier. But I'm also not as averse to it because if he is really that much of a game-changing talent, you want to take as much pressure off your rookie quarterback as possible. We learned that with Matt Ryan and Michael Turner in the 2008 season. Yeah. Um, and because the defense has been addressed hardcore in this free agency, I'm still, I, you know, 70% of me is still on team draft, like an elite edge. We still never have really gotten that. Even with all these guys we've gotten there, no, no one's like an elite, like edge rusher. I still want that more than I want the Spijan character, but the Spijan character, everything about him screams, you know, an Adrian Peterson type. Um, which, you know, a Marshall Falk type. Which you can know. change a franchise. Yes, yes. So I I could see so that or ah. maybe going back to, like, taking a tackle, you know. Like an offensive tackle? Yeah. If you don't take Bijan, then I, you've got to take an edge. You've got to get an edge guy in here that you – if you believe in them. And that's also the big thing. It's like, yes, I'm always – I'm more of a position of need than I am a uh, you know best player available guy. But I also recognize, like, if a – you know, if you have all these – prospects available and you do not like them even if you need it don't do it don't force it also you, it's got to check out at this point we can look at track record with this regime and you got what Kyle Pitts Drake London so young offensive talents with that first pick so it's so, like why not just go to the backfield at this point complete yeah, the trifecta yeah uh you know I wouldn't hate I, I feel like I would actually it it the fans would be very excited the fans would be excited, and, you know, you have that – you know, one thing I really liked about the Cowboys over the last couple of years, uh, you know, Tony Pollard has emerged as a really great running back. You know, they were combining him with Zeke Elliott, and that was a really tough running game to stop, even though Elliott's definitely slowed down over the over the years, even last year. But I was like, man, you got two really good backs in there. I mean, we, we, we saw it, right, with TJ Duck and work done. I mean, not to say that – these guys will compare to them or, or not, but 
you get a dynamic thunder and lightning, baby. thunder and lightning kind of thing. I mean, it can it can do a lot. So I mean, I'm more open to it now with how we address free agency on on the defense. yeah, like bringing in Calais Campbell, like after signing the other dudes, after that signing we did, the other guys, you yeah, know, it, it's and, like um, the other linebacker whose yeah. name escapes me, Calus, Calus. That guy has seven sacks. Yeah, 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 from the Saints too. So it's like, and you could still get an end in the second round could. or, or maybe just, maybe one of these other guys is going to pop this year i just year that really want a top 10 I edge rusher that can but, be a but, monster you know what i can get me 12 sacks it's also like how many dns that you think are going to be monsters are not monsters and how many first round running backs are just like studs for sure. a short amount of time sure you know the, the shelf life is short and i'm always more in favor of in the draft getting a guy you can build around for 10 years or something you know, it's like the last two guys we had with double-digit sack numbers is is uh, your boy Vic Beasley in the Super Bowl year, the the abnormality, the anomaly, and then John Abraham before him. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's not good. You gotta, and we've done a lot to address it, but I was like, I would just love to go overboard with it and just say, fuck it, give me another good edge rusher or try it. I don't know. Yeah, Falcons are like it's. I think the league is confused about them now. What are they going to do? Yeah. And all that shit the national media was talking about, us not wanting Lamar Jackson so we don't want to win, like, fuck the national media. I've always been a big fuck the national media, but, like, really, more than ever, fuck them. It is so annoying to hear that shit. You think that we're making all these moves because we don't want to win? Like, come on. The more we... I'm getting more on board with Bijan, just to, to, like, hedge against... And, I, and like you can win with Taylor Heineke, I think, if you have Algier and Bijan, is it? Yeah, Bijan. Yeah. He used to be the CEO of our company. Um, different Bijan. I was about to say, I was like, that's <laughs> impressive. He was the CEO and then he went to college and yeah. now he's going to run back. Um, he's only 20 years old. It's now. intriguing, Graham. We'll say that much. We'll say that much. Yeah, yeah, it is intriguing. We'll, we'll see what happens. Well, I think that wraps us up, Adam. It was good to be back. On our independent, like we're we're fully independent again. Even last week's was still through Pigskin Podcast Network. There were probably ads that were played for people, which is disgusting. No ads this week. No ads. We're back. I think our structure for the uh, Brave segment really worked. I think we're going to keep that. Really enjoyed that. So, really good episode overall. I think it's it their episode of the year so far. <laughs> if I do say so myself. We'll see. Felt yeah, good. Yeah, you're going to edit it. So. I, I had a good time, Graham. Yeah, I had a good time. It was too. great seeing your beautiful face. My beautiful face is always here for you. All right. We'll see you next week. Until, well, Actually, we won't, probably won't see you next week. I'm going to be out of town on business. And mm. it's really frustrating. So, you won't see you, I don't think we'll have an episode next week. If we do, it's a miracle. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. That's Thomas. That's Thomas.